He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. One thing, too, that comes with practice, I would say in the early days, if, if I ever had a guest give me any sort of pushback or any sort of complaint, I immediately would jump into total like apologetic mode, kind of like begging desperately, like, please don't give me a bad review, whatever I can yeah. refund. I would totally take that route. And over time, and I think that this is just something that cannot be taught, you have to just start hosting to learn it. You will see very quickly who you can tell is just fishing for a discount and who genuinely has a complaint about something that you legitimately need to address and where you may have dropped the ball. And so I've gotten very good and I still have a ways to go. I think this is just something that's always a muscle you're building, but I've gotten very good now with when there's a genuine complaint, I will move mountains to fix it and get the handyman in there that I need to and and comp dinner for them or take care of them, salvage that review. But when I can tell that they are fishing for a review, I I have no mercy. <laughs> I mean, I'm still nice, like I'm still professional, but I just, yeah. I don't care anymore at this point. It's like, I can't be a doormat for everybody. You know, I, I would be so burnt out at this point if I was, I probably would have thrown in the towel two years ago. And so you do have to kind of, like I said, build that muscle and just learn to tell apart when people are just fishing for a discount and stand your ground in those cases. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. What's up, all my Slick Talkers? I hope you're having a great week, and I am so excited for this episode. As usual, we're interviewing another amazing industry expert and leader. And I would love to introduce Natalie Palmer, who not only is a stay-at-home mom with two kids under two years old, she is an Airbnb host. She's an Airbnb ambassador. She's the host of the No Vacancy podcast with Natalie. And she's also within the hospitality.fm podcast network, which is awesome seeing how much she's doing and how successful she is in this industry and this is just a story and a glimpse into how this industry of hospitality, vacation rentals, you name it, has changed so many people's lives. And so I'm so thankful that I was able to sit down with her to hear her story, to hear her thoughts, and to hear really what makes her stand out as a person who people look up to in this space. And so it was really great to just chat and be casual and hear her thoughts and all these questions that I kind of throw at her. And so I'm super thankful for her to joining the show, for her being part of the network. And I know you're going to love her podcast if you go check it out. So make sure you check the show notes. I promise I won't ramble too long in this little intro clip here. But Natalie is going to be at VRMA with me and a bunch of our other creators and podcasters, as well as all of our industry friends. So you definitely need to be at VRMA. But before that, the week after this episode goes live, so this episode is going live Wednesday, October 12th, so the next week... On the 16th of Tuesday, you need to be in Miami at the Book Direct Show and the Destination Air Awards with myself, 
Damian Sheridan, and the rest of the team for the Book Direct Show and Hospitality FM. Love to see you there. Make sure you grab your tickets in the show notes below and use code SLICK10 for 10% off. Now, again, like I said, I don't want to ramble too long, but I have to say a big, big thank you to our sponsors. We have amazing sponsors with Hostfully, with Minute, with Safely, with Jetstream. So if you don't know about them, check out the offers in the show notes because they have so many solutions. Whether you're an Airbnb host or whether you're a property management company, you should be working with them and should be using what I'm about to give you for free to your advantage, which is you're going to get a bunch of offers. You're going to get free, you're going to get three months free with digital guidebooks with Hostfully. You're going to get two months free with Minute, and Minute is so important. I just sat down with Nils, who is the co-founder and CEO of Minute today on an episode where we talk about the story behind the company and the importance of Minute playing a co-host with their clients and customers. So great stuff coming through them. Two months free of your Minute devices and subscription with them. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes and get that offer today. And then with safely.com, you will not regret having extra protection for your vacation rental properties, your owners and your guests and yourself. That's the best way I can explain safely because they just give you that extra peace of mind and coverage when it comes to hosting and renting out vacation properties. Now, for my friends at Jetstream, they are the business in a box. So if you are wanting to build your business and work on your business rather than in your business, then I suggest that you get with Jetstream and you get three months free of commission when you sign up. It's an amazing offer. They're an amazing team and have such a great product and knowledge of the industry. So go ahead, check them out, jetstreamtech.io. Let them know you heard this on Slick Talk and they'll get you all set up. Now, as promised, we are jumping into the episode with Natalie Palmer as she tells us her story into Airbnb hosting and how that has changed her life for the better. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I am joined by Natalie Palmer, who is amazing. That's how I'm I'm just going to intro you like that. You're amazing. Uh, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. We're going to cover your story and go into it, but from what uh, I understand from just talking to you over the last couple of months and getting to meet you in Nashville, uh, not only are you a host and property manager, you are a Airbnb ambassador. You are a full-time remote worker when it comes to your business, and you have two amazing, beautiful little kiddos who I get to see every now and then on your Instagram pop up. And so, uh, Natalie, go ahead and welcome to the show, but introduce yourself and super excited to have you today. Hi, Will. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we did meet for the first time in Nashville, which it's hard to believe that was only a few months ago because I already feel like I've known you for forever. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for the intro. Um, You've definitely become one of my besties in the industry for sure. So it's really cool to be on your show. Um, my introduction, I am Natalie Palmer, and uh, I also host a short rental podcast called No Vacancy. And that is through Will's podcast network, Hospitality FM. And I am an Airbnb ambassador, like he said. I do a mix of ownership and co-hosting. And total, I uh, run nine listings on Airbnb. And Oh gosh, my my story. If we want to get into that, I always. I was gonna say, uh, 
you said part owner and also co-hosting. So I want to know, like, what was the initial entry into the short-term rental industry? Yeah, for sure. So I, I always say that my hosting journey started by accident. I never anticipated that this would be my full-time gig by any means. Uh, my parents, growing up, we had a family. I'm, I'm SoCal-based, so I'm in Southern California. And uh, my parents, we had a vacation home in Big Bear. So a couple hours out of Orange County. And uh, growing up, I used to be a ski instructor at the mountain there and stuff. And we were a very active skiing family. But when we got older, we weren't using the place as much. And I just always chalk it up to saying that I got the hosting itch, whatever is that factor that we all get. And I something just compelled me to want to start managing. And so I convinced my parents to let me try listing it on Airbnb they were not stoked about the idea of strangers coming to their like beloved second home vacation home, but I managed to convince them and just right out the gate, I didn't even know what co-hosting was. I had no idea this existed, but I guess I just unintentionally started co-hosting. I was taking a 20% cut from my parents' place <laughs> right out the bat. And I was like, I'll manage everything. I'll restock it. You know, I'll, I'll decorate it and, and tweak it and everything. And um, within one winter season, my parents were just like blown away by the profits and stuff and what we brought in. So that spring, they reinvested in another property in Big Bear as well, had me manage that one. And then since then, I've just had other owners see how often our places are booked and the nightly rates we're getting and our amazing reviews. And they asked me to start managing their places. So I totally fell into co-hosting by accident. And uh, last year, finally bought my own. And now it's a big goal of mine to just pursue owning more properties and purchasing more real estate. Uh, that's definitely where my focus is now. But I will always be grateful to co-hosting for teaching me everything I know about the business and like cash flowing enough without when I was just starting and couldn't afford to, to own any real estate. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's what one thing you and I have uh, very similarly is uh, I also manage two of my parents' properties. So oh, uh, how do you like having your parents as owners and clients? And uh, did that ever change your guys' dynamic? Because for me, it started with one of their properties. They loved it so much. They bought another one. And yeah. here we are. So Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that we had that in common. Um. Okay. So I personally... I, I love working with my parents. Uh, we are a very like well-oiled machine, the three of us, I feel like. My dad is also, all our properties are in an HOA. And okay. so my dad is now HOA president because he's like, I better watch that these investments stay safe and no one outvotes us or anything. Smart um, guy, smart guy. Yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, side drama that comes just from being HOA president. Actually, yeah. this is a side project of mine. Um, but I dream of one day being like a screenwriter for a show that's like office or parks and rec format, but about an HOA. I feel like I could, I could write like the <laughs> best script about the drama that goes on within an HOA. So maybe one day that that will come to fruition. But um, yeah, my dad is very much involved in just like the keeping things kind of running from the the big picture side with the HOA. Um, he's also our handyman. Mm -hmm. um, not all the time because we still are Orange County based, but he'll go up there and, you know, tweak certain things that, you know, we just haven't found the right contractor to do or that we want to save money on. 
Um, and then my mom really helps me with design and stuff. And uh, she actually now is any new clients we get. My mom is the one who full on onboards them. I don't touch any of that. She helps wow. shop for all the places and set them up and get all of that ready. Um, and that's been actually a really neat thing, too, is that both my parents are retired. And I think at first they were thinking that this would be supplemental income to help them through their retirement. I don't think they were thinking they would work the business themselves, but yeah. we just love it. It's just so fun. Like my mom loves designing, so she's happy to do that stuff. Um, my dad loves doing construction. So yeah, the one thing I will say though that you touched on is like, what's the dynamic with working with it? The, the one downside is that I cannot have a conversation with my parents now without Airbnb coming up. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, even when I was like planning my wedding and all we want to talk about is, is wedding stuff. It's like, okay, so what do we do? Do we block the dates off that week? Like it's a good yeah. week and we still want to be rented. Who's going to be responding to messages. And so every single conversation does revolve around that. Uh, but overall, I do really like working with them. What's That's your really cool. been like working with your parents? Oh, it's a lot different. It's totally <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, my parents are still working full time. So like they pretty much yeah, like hands so hands yeah. off and uh and it's completely remote so like one property is in florida and then um the other one is in washington so it's like complete opposite side Letting of the country walk. yeah yeah so it's a lot and it's a lot different just my parents you know they're we're all very much related so you could tell that uh when we you know start bickering at each other about certain messaging or whatever but like we have a full-on company that pretty much handles all of like our team basically um handles all of the communication and sometimes they uh like to just kind of nitpick little things and that's why i'm like all right officially like in our owners program no owners will be co-hosts of properties because we don't want them like messaging us like what why are you saying this or a guest is asking that like i'll get and i love my dad so i love my parents they're great people um but like a guest will message us the team is 24 7 on response and I'll get a text from him moments later saying guest is asking about this. It's like, I know and it's going to get, it's going to get answered. Just chill, chill out. <laughs> so yeah. that's actually really funny. You said that like, well, I've been having one frustration with my mom lately because when, when a guest messages, let's say the guest says like, Hey, just want to double check. When is the pool going to be open? We actually just got this message because our jacuzzi is open year round, but the pool is seasonal. So somebody said, Hey, I just want to make sure the pool is going to be open for these dates. My response would be, hi, so-and-so, thanks so much for reaching out. We're so excited yep. to be interested in booking. Yes, the pool will still be open for our dates, uh, for your dates. Like, we're so excited to host you. Sometimes if I don't get to the message on time, my mom will respond and her messages will literally say, hi, yes, pool is open. And I'm like, mom. <laughs> oh, man. And not, you have to just like play it up a little bit, but she's, Eastern European and they are just okay. not like like I think it's a cultural thing but I've 100%. tried so many times to tell her you have to play it up this is hospitality and she it cannot catch on at all she's just like they asked if the pool's open I said yes pool is open and I'm like oh no yeah yeah no 100% <laughs> you and I are in the same place <laughs> my parents will do the same thing I'm like oh gosh I'm so sorry that I didn't respond I know and she just doesn't know what she did wrong she's like I answered they asked if it's open and yeah <laughs> yeah oh man yeah we could do a whole episode on co-hosting with our parents but maybe that's a tv show in itself 
That would be a good topic to dive into. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say the HOA move, though, this is like really smart. And I know we'll talk about it uh, probably later in the episode, um, just about regulation and all the stuff that goes into it, because you're hosting nine properties. So like, I'm sure. And if there are, are they all in California or are you kind of spread out? All in Big Bear. And okay. Okay. That's, that's another thing we can talk about, too, because that's something that I, again, I'm very, very it allowed me to scale up so much more quickly. I have the same cleaner, same maintenance team. Um, I know the regulation of everything so well over there. So we scaled up very quickly. But now, you know, through traveling to different events and speaking with different people in the industry, I've realized that I have not diversified at all. If regulation changes in Big Bear, my entire business is gone. So yeah, that's that's another thing we can dive into is like where, how you should scale up how much you should stay in an area for purposes of scaling because it helps a lot but then also yeah. at what point do you start venturing out and diversifying yeah and out of transparency we did the opposite like we went too many like diversifications mm -hmm. so like we have florida and then we have all over washington where i don't think we have any density and any real market so okay. we have a cleaner per property and it's really hard to like obviously continue that that scale so yes. for us it was like okay we need to find a market like we can actually own not just be a little a little fish in a bigger pond type deal yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's really smart uh, there's pros and cons of both i think there's really yeah um just out of curiosity though what were you doing before you got exposed through the hosting itch that you had to take on your your childhood vacation home were you in any industry involved close to hospitality or were you solely just like this sounds like a great idea. I heard about Airbnb. Let's go. I think uh, I think everything in my life, as cheesy as it sounded, was leading the way into this industry because um, I went to college for, I have a business degree in marketing, which obviously marketing your properties, that's totally yeah. transferable skills. Um, right out of college, I interned a bit for a wedding planner which is a lot of hospitality, customer service, guest experience. Um, from there, I've worked, you know, in restaurants and stuff. Again, customer service, service-based industry. Um, I also did marketing for an insurance company. I've kind of done it all. I worked at a rock climbing gym for a while. So just a lot of like, you know, dealing with cool experiences and different unique stuff all centered around the service-based industry. And I had also done social media management, which was another one that kind of crossed over. But I, I very much, I'm just so grateful to the world of short-term rentals because growing up, I was a person that was very, very confused on what I wanted to do when I grew up. I loved interior design. I love um, working with people, but I also love being able to work from home and knew I didn't want to go to an office every day. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but just, there's just something about the world of short-term rentals that really combines. For people who are multi-passionate, I think it combines everything. And if you find that there's certain pieces you don't like, I hate bookkeeping, you outsource yeah. bookkeeping, but you're just fully in control of so many different aspects that you want to take on if you are a more creative person who who doesn't know how to pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, that's probably why you and I became like besties right when we first met because that's the similar like i hated high school in general but like growing up i had no idea what the hell i wanted to do yeah. and 
no idea that you could get into hospitality. Like who would have thought that would be an industry that you could actually make a career out of mine initially was through hotels, but you know, short-term rentals, if you get exposed through um, just loving having a good place to, you know, vacation when you're growing up and having those memories as a kid, I'm sure that transferred over really easily for you as you, you know, started taking on more homes that weren't your parents or weren't involved in the family. Um, and I, I know we kind of talked about it before we even recorded, but as you scaled now into, you know, almost 10 homes, you are very much like you're, you're doing the thing. Like every time people think about getting into like short-term rentals or entrepreneurship, you know, you are spending more time at home and being with your daughters and being like, you're not working a, a thousand hours a day trying to just like run around and scramble and like do this. You're just doing it and it's doing it like really well operationally you scaled professionally. Like this is just a really good story, but for you, when it comes to just, I guess like the, the, the growth of it and having a family, how has that balance been like for you uh, in, in general, especially, you know, having two, uh, I love how you say it two under two. So like having two kids under two years old, like that's also like not easy. So for you, how has that whole balance been with this business and personal? Yeah. So like one thing I've really had to step away from is like we talked about, I'm no longer the person who sets up new listings that we take on. My mom does that because I just cannot afford to take a week to drive up and, you know, coordinate babysitting or something like while my husband is still full time working. So that's been one thing that I have had to give up. Um, but even still, when the properties are getting set up, my mom will FaceTime me through the whole process. Mm -hmm. Like I still try to be as involved as possible. Um, the guest communication, that is another one I am still working on. I do not have the answer for you there. Uh, my mom tries to take over messages and I hate it. And so that's one where, you know, I mean, I've done things to, uh, have a very thorough uh, guest book, you know, and very thorough instructions and uh, try to make my guests as self-sufficient as possible by putting instructions in places and really having clear communication. But you still get questions. Uh, it's inevitable. And I have not outsourced that yet. Maybe venturing into the world of VAs is kind of my next move, but that's definitely one that I'm I'm still working on for sure. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, yeah, it's it's not easy doing all of this plus, you know, having you know kids and a husband and like a whole outside life. Um, when it comes to, I guess maybe your personal drive, I want to kind of dive into the world of Natalie behind the scenes. Um, not that like obviously family is a great driver, but what makes you just want to continue to grow in this industry and maybe some things that as you've gone into hosting and you've gone to these events and you've met with, you know, the Mike Shogrins and the Tatiana's and yeah. uh, the, the whole, I guess, fear of people that we're surrounded by on a daily basis. Now, um, what's some big takeaways from just your experience now, as you've, you know, dove headfirst into the industry, not just as a host, but now kind of as a, a leader into short-term rentals. That's a really good question too. And that's another one where I think a lot of my drive comes just from doing it. Uh, like I said, when I got started, 
all this was ever going to be was I just wanted to make some extra money. I saw an opportunity with my parents having this place that wasn't getting used. And I thought I could just take a 20% commission managing it. And when we saw how much better it performed than we thought, you know, immediately it was like, okay, family's reinvesting into the next one. And then owners started reaching out. And that's been a huge motivator is just seeing like, wow, if this does so well, what if we double it? What if we triple it? What if we keep scaling? Um, so, so that's definitely one thing. And that's kind of how my, how my journey on like the influencer side, I would say also started is I literally was just sharing, just started making reels about some Airbnb tips for more so for like my own friends and family who were following me and had questions about what I was doing. So I just figured I'd put it on Instagram, you know, for whoever in my inner circle was following me. And it just kind of blew up from there. And that was another one that was just like, I didn't set out to, Mm -hmm. to, I don't know, try to be like a thought leader in this world like that, but it just resonated with people. And so I saw like, oh, the more content I create, the more people seem to be inspired by it and and want to do this and the more questions they have and that gave me new talking points and new things to address too. So yeah, I would say a lot of the drive comes from just doing it. Like for anyone who's been wanting to get into this and and you're worried if you're going to get burnt out or lack the motivation, just start because I think that that's kind of the that will fuel a lot of it for you. 100%. There's natural momentum. Like you you just like you said you started doing it and all of a sudden you saw all this stuff happen. Um, so that was actually going to perfect segue into what I wanted to talk to you or ask you about with no vacancy and your just your overall Instagram presence in general. Because when we first met, I th- I don't remember what date specifically in June, but when we were at the SCR Wealth Conference, I remember we were at a rooftop bar and everyone, or I think Tatiana. I know where we were. Yes, yes. Uh, it wasn't Jason Aldean's yet. We were on our way, I think, to Aldean's. Oh, you're right. You're right. We yeah. haven't met there yet. <laughs> we, were, we were meeting up with like TJ and Mike and I think Kyle, Tatiana, there's a, there's, and Mark Simpson. There's a, a couple of shout outs to everybody there. Um, but we were up at this rooftop bar about to head to Jason Aldean's to shut it down. And uh, the, uh, I don't remember. I think it was Tatiana. It was like, you need to talk to Natalie. Like you need just need to talk to her about her podcast, like hear her story. And I was like, okay, like I, I remember we did the brew haha together with um uh Tyann yeah. and Touch Day. Um, but she was just like, You need to talk to Natalie. So I was like, okay. So we talked about your podcast and I think you maybe were at eight episodes total. Brand new. Uh, yeah, brand new. And then like maybe 10 or 15,000 followers on Instagram, but now you're at like your past 25 episodes, you're at like almost 30,000 followers, I think, or, or more. Uh, I didn't check, so don't quote me on the tip. Over 20,000, something okay. in that range. <laughs> something in that range. And you it's just been... Numbers a bit, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just been crazy, though, to watch. Like, just from even the back end when you join the network, just be like analyzing your, your, your show's data and just like, yeah. So how did that start? Like, what was the idea for No Vacancy? Were you just kind of doing it? out of like hey i have this extra time i should maybe like do a podcast or like what was the 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 thought behind it yeah yeah so a lot of it came out of um i i was getting a lot of the same dms and same questions and i felt like i was responding to people you know the same thing over and over but privately via dms and also with reels i had reels that were like i I have reels that are over like five million views like they really took off and it as much as like those are great for growth and engagement and everything, 
it's 10 seconds long and that's it. And I always wanted to expand on things in the caption, but you can only do so much. And so I just kind of felt like the podcast was sort of the next thing for me to take on if I had more to say on cleaning protocols, you know, it's not going to fit in a 10 second reel and a caption. So I just wanted to expand on that. But my original goal with the podcast, genuinely, I was just going to do 12 episodes. I wrote down and I was like, I have 12 topics I feel like I could really speak to. And all I want to do is have them live there. And then if somebody asks me a question about co-hosting or remote hosting, I'll be like, hey, I did a whole episode. Check this out. All it was supposed to do was just help me like manage my DMs, you know, and direct people to longer form content if that's what they wanted. And actually, when I met you, thank God I did, because I think, like we said, I was on episode like eight or 10. So I was planning on capping it at like 12 episodes and just kind of doing like one season, maybe an occasional bonus episode in the future, if anything, you know, there were updates with Airbnb or something. Mm -hmm. And you helped me like look up because I had no idea what my numbers were or how I was doing relative to anything you told me where to look to see my stats and i remember on the roof we pulled it up and it said it was in like the top three percent of podcasts worldwide and i flipped out i had no idea it was doing that well or that people were resonating with it that much and i think in that moment i was just like okay i have something like really gaining traction here like what a waste it would be to just drop it in two episodes and so yeah, when I got home from from that trip from Nashville, I had to kind of regroup and be like, how do I give this thing legs and help it stand the test of time and keep coming up with content week after week? Um, but yeah, if I had not met you on that rooftop, I don't know if the podcast would still be here. I think I would have capped it at 12 episodes, oh, just not really seen the potential because because I saw my numbers, but I didn't know what yeah. they were relative to, you know? Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I I remember that that rooftop moment of seeing it like the top three percent. We're like, what? This is crazy. I was like, I've never seen somebody do that in such a short like episode period. So to see that, I was like, okay, yeah, you gotta keep going. And then you told me about the Airbnb whole section. I yes. was dying. Like <laughs> I still that like honestly, I tune in pretty often to your show. I don't do every week with everybody because it's like with the yeah. amount of podcasts we have, I would probably never work. I would just be listening <laughs> to episodes. But um, I every time I tune in, I like that's the part that I just love the most because it gives me like an escape from like this overall like operational mindset. And it's just really funny. So how did you come up with the Airbnb whole segment? Because yeah. I just, yeah, I just also for the listeners who may uh, like some short-term rental humor, I think it's a great spot to go to. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you're asking because that is my favorite segment as well. (laughs) uh, If anyone has ever been lost on the Reddit forums, you may know there's that whole Reddit thread that's, am I the asshole? And I just, can I cuss on this show? Can I say, (laughs) so, you know, there's the whole Reddit thread of, am I the asshole? And all of us seasoned hosts have been on the Facebook pages and we have seen, you know, hosts just post like their 20 point checkout instructions and wonder why they're getting bad reviews or, you know, post screenshots of guests that are asking for discounts or fishing for a refund. And I basically came up with this idea to do this Am I the Airbnb whole segment where every week on the podcast I read some sort of screenshot or something or a review that I found on a Facebook group and we dissect it and decide who's in the wrong either 
the cleaner, the guest, the the host, maybe all of them, maybe none of them. But that has been my favorite section too. And I definitely added it to the show for comedic relief. But I have to say a lot of uh, valuable lessons have come out of that segment as well. I get a lot of feedback that that's um, this this industry, you can get very bogged down in numbers and comparison and wondering, you know, should I have more doors? Should I be investing more? And I think that that segment always kind of brings it back to like, hey, we're all just hosts dealing with guests on a daily basis and just struggling to do the best job we can do and not feel exploited by our guests and, and you know, try yeah. to deliver five stars. Yeah, no, it's so good. It's so good. And it's like relatable because like you grab like we you said it that we, we see those Facebook groups. And it's just some of the worst posts you could ever see. You're like, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you in the industry? Why are you who you are? Who hurt you? Like, I want to know. Like, the, it's just the worst people. Like, uh, yeah, it drives me nuts. So having that section is so fun. Um, but you are like 100% serious, like, or not 100% serious, but 100% right on it does kind of ground you a little bit. Like, okay, like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not the Airbnb hole of the week. Like, yeah, I think I think we'll be fine. Um, and so let me dive in on a more serious note for you, though. In comparison for, you know, this industry, there are a lot of people that talk about scalability, uh, more doors, the more better you are, the bigger influencer you are, um, whatever that might be. How have you handled that as you are in this creator world? Like, it's not an easy question. I struggle with it on a lot of other stuff uh, throughout the industry or through podcasting in general. So for you, how do you kind of level yourself out and kind of get away from that that mindset of like, I don't need to scale. I don't need to, um, you know, have 100 units by the time I'm 30 or whatever the the thing may be. Totally. Yeah, I have really humbled myself a lot, especially by being at in-person events. But, you know, it's it's like nice to say like, oh, I have almost 10 units like that feels good, especially when there's people at these conferences that don't have any yet and are just looking to get started. But I have met people at these events who only have one listing and then they will tell me that they are doing $500,000 a year gross on that one listing. And they just picked an amazing place like a luxury market. You know, they went all in on making this one place incredible. And when I hear stories like that, our units gross between 40 to 85,000 a year. So when I hear of examples like that, I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I know my market very well, but I don't know anything. <laughs> like it's it's really not about the number of doors you have. It's about your goals and where you want to go. I mean, take Sean, I'm going to butcher his last name, Rekijik. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does not own a single property, but he's, you know, it's all arbitrage, but he's just absolutely crushing it in terms of cash flow. And mm-hmm. I don't even know how much money he has, but that's he's a very good reminder because I can see him on stage and and be like, whoa, he's so much further ahead of me. You know, should I start doing arbitrage? It seems like that's the way to scale up. But then I just reflect back and it's like, what are my goals right now? I really want to own more property and I'm OK with slower growth. If it means me, you know, maybe turning down some co-hosting gigs so that I can focus on doing market research and and investing in more real estate. So I think that's a big thing is you really have to check back in with what you actually want to get out of this. And at the end of the day, the number of doors you have does not matter. It's it's how much you're bringing in. And if it's 
fulfilling you and and making you happy. I probably could triple my business right now, but I would never get to hang out with my kids. So I I don't care. Certain things I'm okay sacrificing the money because I'm getting time freedom out of where I'm at right now. Yeah, time freedom. And I think like you kind of just nailed on the head is you're got to focus on profitability with what you have. And I think like for even from like our company, I know we've dropped a couple of owners because one, the owners were probably a pain, but then two, um, the units weren't like the properties itself weren't profitable enough to make sense to keep the 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 time that it takes to, to operate them. So it's okay to like cycle through inventory. It's okay to not scale, um, you know, through arbitrage or more co-hosting. Um, like you said, I think, and I, what I actually like about yours and what I wanted to kind of bring up a little bit, um, earlier in the episode is more of like how professional you are as an operator. I think you take in a lot outside the design stuff. I've heard you talk about kind of your systems and processes when it comes to inspection and to like using technology and how you're preventing parties and how you're vetting guests and like just kind of doing all this other stuff. Um, that I think a lot of people that do scale really quickly don't really think about until something really bad happens, right? Like they have a sex trafficking or they have a really bad party that's like Project X and it you know shuts them down or whatever. So the fact that you're slower and more or less looking for ownership, I think that in itself has a volume of you know uh, talking points, obviously, but just a volume of what your business looks like on the professional side rather than just a numbers game, which a lot of people do just focus on. Yeah. I, I actually love one thing you mentioned about dropping certain owners. Have you noticed it's always the properties and the owners that take the most time and stress and mental energy that make you the least amount? 100%. I, like that has been a huge lesson I've learned is the owners who just like stand back, don't bother me. And they're just like listed at the prices you think, make the improvements you think. Those are my best performing units. The owners who want to get so involved and check in with me every day on how's this going? How's this going? Can I tweak this nightly rate? Can I tweak this setting? Those are my worst performing units and they're the biggest headache. And so that's yeah. been such a lesson I've had to learn too, is now any potential new owner the second I feel like we are not totally aligned in our goals, I have no problem walking away from that and saying no. And could I take them if I just wanted to be able to brag that I have, you know, 30 units I'm managing instead? Sure. But I, it just doesn't check in with what I'm wanting to do right now. Yeah. And with your, your one property that you're owning, I, I love that. Like I'm, that's an area I want to get into. I've never owned real estate. I'm, I'm still young, so I have plenty of time, but um, my, I guess a uh, question for you is more or less, you know, owning your own property now. Um, how have you, it kind of goes back to the earlier question about kind of removing emotion from your hosting business uh, and just kind of not taking things personal because it's either your parents unit or it's your own property. How has that been owning? Cause now you don't have to take just 20%. You get all of that, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. Tell me about that. Great question. So actually that one unit that I, that I do own, um, my parents still get a cut because they're helping me right now with like restocking things there and everything. Um, it's almost now like my parents are like the co-host on, <laughs> on the one that I own in a weird way. Um, I still respond to guests and everything, but, um, you know, we, we have a whole like dynamic of how we break things out and that unit is pet friendly. And a couple, maybe a month ago, we had a guest who brought in a dog and big reservation for us. It was like $1,600 reservation. And when they checked out, 
the dog had scratched the leather sofa. Not like beyond repair, nothing was like torn through, but we definitely had to like take the time to repolish and do like a leather conditioning on it and just buff it out. And my mom was the one who was there that day and saw it when they checked out. And she immediately texted me and said, this unit, Casita Condo, immediately unlist it as pet friendly. Like, we're never dealing with this again. I didn't respond. I was like, she needs to <laughs> she needs to cool down. We will talk in a bit. Like, okay. So anyway, a few days later, she's like, did you unlist it as pet friendly? And I told her, like, what's the one thing we always say is we get really frustrated with these owners who don't trust us to turn on instant book and they want to do request to book instead, which we know doesn't convert as well, you know, or certain things. And and I was like, we already know that getting emotion out of it helps you out. Almost, I would say four in five of our bookings on that property lately have all been bringing in pets. Like it's just, it's 80% of people. So many are bringing in pets. And this reservation we only got because we were listed as pet friendly. And, you know, they paid $1,600 for it. That's a big reservation for us. And so I told her, like, I know this sucks, but this is the one issue we've had so far with a pet. We've been pet friendly for six months now and no problems. I'm not listing it over one emotional moment. And so, you know, she was like, okay, okay, you're right. Like I got heated in the moment. But that's one thing is you have to take it back. If you're in doubt, take it back to the numbers and just look at it like this is a business. We know our conversion rates, four out of five guests are bringing pets. This was a huge reservation we wouldn't have gotten if not for being pet friendly. So I don't care. Emotionally, we buff out the couch, we do the leather conditioning and we move on. Yeah. I love that. So this is a great mindset to have because uh, a lot of people do take it because it is second homes. They've either had their kids grow up there as you experienced growing up, you know, all that stuff. So it's got to be, there has to be a checks and balances. Uh, I know you're a passionate person, so that's probably not easy to say when it comes to like, I'm passionate. Like I, whenever I have like a guest, like be rude to my team or something, I'm like, especially when I was a hotel manager, oh man, it was like, I just got so how dare they talk to Debbie like that? She is the nicest woman. I'm going to go give them a piece of my mind. And I get there and be like, hi, sir. How are you? Can I talk to you over here? Like, you know, still like have to put on that face. But yeah, it's it's very hard to control sometimes. And so I think it's just really smart. Um, yeah, just as you're growing the business, like you're representing yourself, you're representing your brand, but then you're also like representing owners that own the properties, whether it's you're, you're owning it or a co-hosting side. So yeah, it's very smart. One thing, one thing too that comes with practice, I would say in the early days, if if I ever had a guest give me any sort of pushback or any sort of complaint, I immediately would jump into total like apologetic mode, kind of like begging desperately, like, please don't give me a bad review, whatever I can yeah. refund. I would totally take that route. And over time, and I think that this is just something that cannot be taught, you have to just start hosting to learn it. You will see very quickly who you can tell is just fishing for a discount and who genuinely has a complaint about something that you legitimately need to address and where you may have dropped the ball. And so I've gotten very good and I still have a ways to go. I think this is just something that's always a muscle you're building, but I've gotten very good now with when there's a genuine complaint, I will move mountains to fix it and get the handyman in there that I need to and and comp dinner for them or take care of them. Uh, you know, salvage that review. But when I can tell that they are fishing for a review, I I have no mercy. <laughs> I mean, I'm still nice, like I'm still professional, but I just 
yeah. I don't care anymore at this point. It's like I cannot be um I can't be a doormat for everybody. You know, I, I would be so burnt out at this point if I was. I probably would have thrown in the towel two years ago. And so you do have to kind of, like I said, build that muscle and just learn to tell apart when people are just fishing for a discount and stand your ground in those cases. Yeah, it's the same thing with fraud or like um, like bad guests, like the the term of bad guests. Like, look, when I was a hotel manager, booking.com was already a red flag so anytime a booking.com reservation came in it was like okay because they were just known for the worst like credit card fraud um or or any oh it was a whole thing is that also when people book in the vacation rental industry through booking.com or only through hotels oh i didn't know that i I was i would say booking.com i think they just changed something within their payment back end that does check better for like ip addresses and how the you know how everything is all kind of all the techie stuff in the back end that tells if it's fraud where like the card is uh booking the, the the person that's booking the unit or the reservation the the credit card is being booked in new york but the person's address is in florida then like it can tell like okay that's kind of a red flag like they're getting better i think from what i've heard through a couple other bigger property management companies but um we don't list with booking.com for that reason particularly um but back in the day, that was always a big red flag. And then there'd be little more like little things that you could see inside the reservation, how guests were behaving in the communication pre-arrival. Same thing with vacation rentals. It's like, okay, is this guest going to be good? Like you can tell like your gut just kind of has that reaction. Um, and so as you're kind of talking, it's like, it's not just like these one little things here. Like it, it you have to let your gut, like you have to trust it. And that was- that it's is the same thing with guests trying to get, you know, discounts. That is so true. I think in my entire hosting career, there was one guest ever that when we checked in and found that they had like trashed the place, I was genuinely surprised. One time ever. Besides that, anytime we've had issues with a guest, it was like, yeah, I had a feeling. I think I yeah. knew like uh, from the communication, from something, from when they booked to when they checked in, like something was telling me they were going to be a problem. So yeah, you you do have to learn to trust that for sure. Yeah. And uh, not to throw my parents under the bus, but I told you so on a couple of reservations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was scarred for life when she saw what the property. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it was it was great. It was like a bachelor party. So there's like a bunch of, you know, dirty things around the whole place. But it was hilarious. Um <laughs> So I actually wanted, I know we actually completely skipped over this when we first started the episode, um, but you're an Airbnb ambassador. So I'm curious, how the hell does that happen? And how did you get like, how to like explain, (laughs) go into the details because we had John Hildebrand, who I know you know, uh, who's an Airbnb Airbnb ambassador. Uh, But I didn't know that when we first met at all. Like I just found that out like recently. So yeah, yeah, to dive into that. That's great question. I to this day, I have no idea how I became an Airbnb ambassador. Um, They reached out to me before I had any social media presence or anything. I think a lot of people thought that I was already um, a name in the industry. And then I got recruited. No, I had never I don't think I'd ever posted anything about Airbnb on social media. Um, It was like August of 2020, which is when the program was just starting to be founded, I believe. It already existed in like Taiwan or something. 
um, or China, I think, had an ambassador presence, but they were just bringing it over to the West. And I just got an email that was like, we're doing a new pilot program here. Would you like to be considered? I'm guessing it had to do like with the amount of properties we had and probably a certain number of reviews or something or a certain consistent occupancy. Um, but I've, I've literally never found out how I got recruited or chosen. I almost said no because I just didn't know what the program was. And they were like, you're going to be talking to new hosts and trying to get them set up. And that just seemed weird to me. I didn't have any ambassador help me out when I got yeah. started. So, um, but yeah, thank God I stuck with it. And I've met some amazing people through there. Um, back to your question earlier about what drives you. That was actually a big motivator for me to even start posting on social media at all because it validated. I felt like I was a good host, you know, like I saw the reviews we were getting and the numbers and the occupancy. But again, you don't really this industry is very lonely and I didn't have any friends doing this or anyone to compare it to. And when I got like a stamp of approval from Airbnb that they wanted me to be an ambassador, that was kind of a push also to just start sharing. And I was like, OK, I do know what I'm talking about. Like I, I can you know, help other people navigate this world. Yeah. I love that. It's super cool. And, you know, just seeing that there's like this community behind it. Uh, I think, you know, and this is nothing on, if anyone from Airbnb is listening right now, this is nothing on Airbnb, but we do like, I've had conversations, whether it's on this podcast or my other podcast that Airbnb does drop the ball, like when it comes to like their hosts and, and some of the things that they change or whatever it might be. But I feel like personally, I, I've found, after talking to like John and now you, this is actually like one of the best moves they probably could have made for Airbnb itself on the hosting side. Cause every decision is usually made for the guests. Like it's all guest centric and usually the host is kind of left like, Oh man, that kind of sucks. I have no choice, but to follow this now. Um, but now that there's this community of hosts, ambassadors that can really kind of step up for the quote unquote little guy, or even just the industry yeah. that does list on their platform. Um, yeah, probably one of the best decisions they could have made because I, I think it's just really like there was, it was almost to the point where it was like, there was nothing for hosts. It was just like, you're on our platform and you're stuck with it. Like whatever you get is what you get. Um, and so I think how has that experience been now that you've kind of been in the program and, um, getting to build that community on the back end? Like what's, what's that overall kind of expression for, for you? Yeah, yeah. So so quickly to fill anyone in, like what we do as ambassadors is basically um, we are allowed to kind of recruit our own brand new hosts, you know, and we we get paid a referral bonus from Airbnb for every lead we bring in or help mm -hmm. help onboard and help publish their listing and get them their first booking. So we can bring in our own leads, um, but I more so am fed leads through Airbnb and then help them set up their listing um, and I'm not talking like physically go to their property and set up the listing, but set up their Airbnb account, their profile, gotcha. check, check all their settings and everything like that. And so that's been one thing um, from getting fed leads. It really opened my eyes a lot to how many different ways there are to host. Like I only had experience in my one little big bear market bubble, uh, but now I've worked with hosts in I mean, everywhere, India, Singapore, Venezuela, uh, wow. Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia, like all over. And so that's been really cool, too, is just to see the impact that Airbnb has and how many hosts are signing up worldwide. I think there's about 600 
ambassadors in North America, and we oh, wow. each probably help between one to 300 hosts a year. So it's a huge impact. Oh. And uh, it, it's really forced me to to get um, a lot of my processes in order. So uh, for example, you know, I I had a checklist, a furnishing or supply closet checklist that I would give to new owners that we take on to co-host, but it wasn't very professionally done. It was just kind of my, you know, scribbled notes and stuff that I would like reference as we're setting up a property. But now I wanted to make that a resource available for my ambassador leads. And so I redesigned that whole thing. And I have a whole web page built out with FAQs about getting started hosting and I direct my leads there. So it's also made me a better host. It's really forced me to get a lot of processes in check so that I can share and set new hosts up to the best of my ability. But it's it's really rewarding. It's crazy how many um, how many times I'll just get a message from a brand new potential host who just says, you know, hey, we, we have this property in the family and I think I want to host very similar to my story. And I think I want to host, but it's kind of outdated. Do you think anyone would book? And I'll look through pictures of it. And it's like, a, you know, 2000 square foot ski chalet in Park City, Utah. <laughs> but then they don't know the gem they're sitting on. It's just been in the family. And it's like, yes, you you can list this and you can do very well. And it really, I think, empowers people um, who don't know really what they're sitting on. It's it's a very good push. I like being a cheerleader for for new hosts and helping them. You're getting to be, you're having your Will Slickers and Natalie moment on the rooftop, uh, uh, looking at your podcast apps. Yes. That's what you're yes. just yeah. encouraging them. Like you got this even little things. I mean, people will reach out and say like, I don't know what I'm doing. I set my, my cleaning fee is at $150. Like, is that reasonable? And I'm like, okay, let's look, let's just quickly browse some, you know, comparable listings in your area and see what they're charging. Yeah. All of them are between 130 and 160. You're good. And they're like, oh, that's it. Like, that's that's all I had to do. But people really overthink yeah. it. And so a lot of what we do as ambassadors, I think, is just um, showing people it's not that scary. And it's it's very much attainable and approachable. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That's so cool. And um, yeah, I like it. I, I will 100% reinstate that statement. I said, I think that's probably the best thing they could have done for the host program. Um, so kudos to Airbnb. Uh, that's one thing I'm really actually going to support is the ambassador program. From what I hear, they have big plans to keep growing the program and recruit new ambassadors. So um, I will keep, you know, certain hosts I've worked with from like one-on-one -on -one consultations or who have done my course and stuff. I keep mental notes of people that I'm like, you would make a great ambassador one day. And if Airbnb reaches out to us about recruiting new ones, I have a list of people that I would <laughs> love to recommend. I love that. Um, so I'm actually going to kind of pivot a little bit. I know we're we're going over probably a good couple of minutes, but um, I have uh, quite an audience that is very traditional vacation rental management. So not depending on one OTA, one platform. And so to kind of shift and go into that for you, are you looking outside of Airbnb for your property management company? Because that's always one question that I will probably be asked after this episode aired. So yes. I would love to, to hear your thoughts. Great question, because I'm very much like, you know, the Airbnb girl, I feel like. Yeah. And that's not to say, trust me, I have had my issues with Airbnb customer service, and there are <laughs> things about the platform that drive me nuts. Um, but here's what I will say regarding direct booking. Um, I, okay, I, I love 
I love the idea of direct booking. And it's funny that that's actually old school what it was. Like Airbnb in the world of vacation rentals is the new and trendy thing, you know, where a lot of us are sitting there thinking that direct booking is a new undertaking, which direct booking has been around since, you know, Jesus was born and they were looking for an inn to stay at. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Airbnb is brand new and trendy. But here's one thing I will say. I will do consultations with people who are not getting booked at all on Airbnb. And they are asking me like, okay, since I'm not getting visibility here, should I create a direct booking site? Hmm. Airbnb gets 58 million monthly visitors, if I have my numbers right. To me, if you can't get booked on Airbnb, there is something else that's the problem. Your photos, your design, uh, your location, like something else is working. If nobody's booking on Airbnb, they are not going to suddenly trust a site that has no branding behind it, no backing that no one's heard of. No one's going to give you your credit card info on a generic direct booking site. So I do think I totally see the value in direct booking. Um, I that's actually something I I have not taken on myself. And that's that's a big goal of mine for uh, 2023. I really want to start doing direct bookings for for all of our properties. But I think a lot of people overthink this step and have it hold them back from entering this industry at all. Yes, Airbnb has its issues. Furbo has its issues. But there's nowhere, there's no other way that you can start with zero reviews, zero name recognition, zero brand awareness, and be accessible to 58 million monthly viewers. you got to play their game. So yeah, I, I think just treat it as Airbnb doesn't have to own your business, but they are the best tool for getting in front of eyeballs. Yeah, and I I'm glad you said that because I think the the mindset behind on how you look on Airbnb and direct booking is really important. Like I we're going to be at the book direct show in Miami. Like that's all yeah. about booking direct. But at the end of the day, it's more or less about less reliance on OTAs and it is, you know, getting rid of them completely. Yeah. Um and like you said, it is a tool. I I think just a lot of people when they hear no Airbnb or getting off Airbnb or whatever, they think it's like the Antichrist and we need to, you know, ban it from from our lives completely. And it's like, no, but you need to also like look at maybe Verbo could like we have one property um out in Washington that is pretty much right between eastern and the west side. So it's up in the mountains. It's great for skiing. It's great for hiking in the summer. Like it's got a ton of outdoor activities. Verbo was the platform of choice for a lot of our visitors. Like we never had actually um we never uh had a lot of Airbnb bookings comparatively to um Verbo. So that was like okay, like we needed to we needed to know that because we would have had an empty calendar if we didn't know that. Um so I think like what you just said just to reiterate is really important because understanding that it's a tool. It's not like you need to be anti-Airbnb because we still list on Airbnb and all that stuff too. But uh, it's just always a question I love to ask because I think, you know, with 2020 when that hit and granted, like there was something we all could have, none of us could have done when everyone got refunded without question. It was like, oh, I would have loved to have credited my guests and be like, hey, come, like we won't, we'll like leave your, um, your reservation kind of like an escrow basically. Uh, that would have been a great option to have, but at the end of the day, when the world's, you know, the sky is falling and everything like that, people need their money and that makes so much sense. So we lost a lot of revenue, but at the end of the day, a lot of our guests did come back. They did book, they did stay and our rates were higher. So it was like, 
ooh, really rough to handle at first, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it does work out. They are a good platform to get visibility and to get traction. And especially if you're starting brand new, I think, like you just said, great place to just go list it and have that credibility of you know the prop the the platform kind of behind you already. So this is another thing too that I I will defend Airbnb on is um, you know, take the pandemic, for example. When they canceled those reservations, I saw a lot of people on Facebook groups, a lot of hosts were absolutely pissed and said they completely overrode my cancellation policy. What the hell? What's the point of having a cancellation policy if they'll ignore it? And to me, I I mean, I know as hosts, we have bills to pay and that was stressful, but I was like, yes, like bravo Airbnb, because if they burnt relationships with guests during that time, you know, I don't know, would guests have ever come back to the platform? Would they have lost so much trust that people would say, screw that, I'm never booking on Airbnb again, I'm going to stay at a hotel next time. And same thing, like when Airbnb introduced their air cover for guests, I know a lot of hosts were really nervous, like, hey, instead of just 24 hours to report issues now, they have 72 hours, this is going to change so many things. To me, every time that they make an improvement to the guest side, I view it that they are making an improvement for the host side too. I know there are cases where we do get screwed over by it, but overall, if guests feel more confident and more comfortable booking the platform, that's more reservations that we're going to see. I I would hate them to ever lose sight of, uh, you know, again, on Facebook groups, people are always saying like, they never side with hosts. They never side with hosts. Just put yourself in the perspective. If they started siding with hosts exclusively, the brand of Airbnb would be done in six months time. The guests would just stop booking and they wouldn't have any credibility coming back. So that's just one thing I like to like, you know, encourage people. Are there times that will screw you over? Yes. But I think for the good of the entire trust in the system, it, it does have to kind of favor guests at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm one of those guys, like we, on our morning show, we've talked about it. Like it, it does really heavily go towards guests. And sometimes I don't view it the way you do, but I give you my like complete hats off to you because you're 100% right. I don't think Airbnb would have even gone public if they didn't do their refund uh, in the in the beginning of COVID. Like if they didn't do that, I yeah, I don't know if they would have come back. If they did, they would have been hurting. It would have probably made them make even more re- like irrational decisions on the the host side to the point where it would probably just end up being just a complete dumpster fire. So yeah, uh, yeah. There, so there's a reason that most hosts you talk to will tell you that they get you know, 60 to 80% of their bookings on Airbnb. They've done something, even though I know it comes at our own detriment at times, they've done something to curry favor with guests. Again, 58 million views monthly is not something to scoff at. And I think Vervo, who's second, is getting like 27 million a month, half. And then the others, you know, ExpediaBooking.com, they're just like fractions underneath that. So Yes, they are a tool. I think there's so much benefit to come from Booking Direct. I'm really excited for your event. I personally won't be able to make it, but if you're selling replays or something after, I I need to see this content because that's a big goal of mine for 2023. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, even though Airbnb pisses us off sometimes, <laughs> uh, and this is not just me shilling as an ambassador. Yeah. I only get paid if, if you use my link and <laughs> create a new <laughs> through them probably everyone listening to this already has a listing so i have nothing to gain from telling you guys this but um i just i will always defend that they've done something right to put that guest uh, to put that trust in guests 
Hundred percent, and that's also kind of what John I think said on on my show, and I even heard him kind of talk to you about it. But at the end of the day, like also that's kind of what you guys are there for as host ambassadors. Like now you get to hear all of these complaints, you get to experience it, and like kind of pass that up the chain. And and some not like it's gonna make or break or decision like right away. But at the end of the day, you do get to represent the majority of people that are hosting on the platform, um, and that's like. I was going to say, if any of you do have have issues with Airbnb, DM me, contact me, because I do have contacts that I can bump some things up to. Um, I'm, I can't promise that they'll listen. I'm not that cool within within the organization, but DM me because there's always conversations, you know, that ambassadors are a part of on how to improve. And I have my running list of things I would change and improve. So um, yeah, if this conversation sparked anything and you're wondering, like, I always hate that they do this, <laughs> DM me, bring it to my attention, and I will pass it along. Yeah, I was going to say, she knows people, so you should probably <laughs> DM her. But I was also say, don't DM her so passionately that you become the Airbnb hole of the week. Yes, I may screenshot <laughs> our messages and feature you on my podcast, so, you know. Uh, it's well, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that would be the scarier part for me. So I would be careful on how you word things with uh, with your DMs. Um, but there's so much I know we can cover so much more, but we're getting close to an hour. And I, I want to obviously respect your time and respect the listeners. But um, I'm going to link everything in the show notes. But what's one link you would love for anyone who's listening who just loved this conversation want to get to know more about you? Where would you want to send them? Yeah. Well, first of all, find me on Instagram, please. That is where I am the most active. Um, and yeah, if you if you want to see, you know, my hosting philosophy and stuff and, and connect with me there, that is where I'm the most active. But the one link I'm going to shamelessly promote right now is for levelupyourlistingsummit.com. Uh, Tatiana Taylor Tate, another wonderful person in the industry. Her and I are actually planning an all women's short term rental conference in Scottsdale in February. And I am so pumped for this event. Um, for I'm sorry to any of the guys listening there, no boys allowed, but it is going to be for my ladies. You guys are not even ready. It is going to be so fun. Um, you know, one thing that's really big for us is at all these events, we see the speakers spend so much time on stage talking about how important design is and guest experience. And personally, I rarely see that reflected in the events themselves. And we are just going all out with the cutest, girliest installations. It's just going to be like a big bachelorette party weekend in Scottsdale. <laughs> and you're going to learn so much. Uh, we already have amazing speakers lined up. Julie George, uh, Sarah and Annette from Thanks for Visiting, uh, Kiara Castle, Tatiana and I, of course, um, who I'm in, who am I missing? Stacy St. George, Rachel Gainsburg, Gainsborough. I don't know. Yeah, Gainsborough. Okay. Yeah. 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 She's going to be speaking. I'm so excited for her. So yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Um, so that link is levelupyourlistingsummit.com. And uh, Will actually is going to MC our event. Um, I'll be one of the only guys there. So yeah. what up? Can't yeah. wait. He will. Because I don't know. I don't know if I can say this. And if you need to cut this, you can. <laughs> will, do your listeners know 
your dance skills? Do they know that when they tune in every week, they are listening to the voice of Magic Mike over here? Oh. Uh, I think those who follow me maybe on Instagram do see, they get to see those snips, but, uh, in a past life, Will should have been a bachelorette party dancer. He should have worked at Chippendales. You are an insanely talented dancer. And I just need you to like intro every guest with like some, you know, really good dance moves for our, uh, STR bachelorette party vibes. We're going to come up with a a good, a good entry and it's going to, it's going to be good, but yeah, may my moves, that's like, I just started working out again recently. So I'm just trying to get my magic mic bod ready for this whole event. That's the only reason why I'm working. I care about nothing else other than being just, this is the change that we inspired people even found us out from the event. We'll get you to start running in preparation to be your I call on my fat boy run. So I'm like, yeah, I got to do it. I got to do it today. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be so good. And just like, yeah, for anyone who's listening, I think I love sharing like guests like you on the show, just because I don't think enough of the listeners through any podcast really get to see like on the inside. So it's just really cool to like have a friend on the show where it's not like, oh, I met you and we did a pre-interview and now we're doing an interview. Like we've actually had this rapport. Like we talk a lot more often than probably most people would think so like i just think it's really cool to be able to like just showcase your your yeah. greatness and uh to have like these cool conversations because uh yeah it's just something i've really enjoyed this this whole like last year with the podcast and the industry it's just so nice to be able to meet people in person again and yeah so have these these good conversations so i just want to say thank you and we'll thank definitely you. plug genuinely thank you i'm not kidding when i say i i had not met you in nashville i don't know if the podcast would still be here i don't know if i would be planning this whole conference and and everything i just feel like you um our talk our meeting was so serendipitous and like you just seeing what you had built with your podcast network and everything and then the fact that you kind of gave me your stamp of approval was so much validation that i don't think you even realized like how much i needed that in that moment so i will always be grateful to you I would say you are a diamond in the rough because it's like you built something really great. And so I think you just, yeah, I'm just happy to be alongside. That's all I can say. Okay. It's just really great. So Thank you. Uh, before we have this more heart, in heart, Vegas, I know. Yeah. I know. So before we have a heart you know, melting <laughs> moment, uh, I, yeah, I'll make sure everything is plugged in the, in the show notes. I'll see you in Vegas here shortly. Yes. And then for anyone who's listening, make sure you like, and subscribe to no vacancy with Natalie Palmer on any podcast platform uh if you like this show you'll love her show and you'll love the overall just conversation in general i think whether you're a big pm or a small individual host this is content you need to hear so thank you natalie and we'll see everybody again soon Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.